This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everyone. I'm Scott Eklund with Dogman.com, and welcome back to Dogman Radio. You're listening to me, Scott Eklund, like I said, and Chris Fetters joining me. Kim Grinolds with the early game today at uh, Colorado. Kim is in transit to uh, the game, so Chris and I are running the pregame show. And Chris, uh, you know, two games left. It's been a weird season. Uh, A lot of crazy stuff going on. Where's your head at right now with this team four and six right now, needing to win two games to get bowl eligible? Yeah, <laughs> it's been a <laughs> wacky one. I mean, I'm yeah. just looking at the predictions and, you know, last week with Arizona State, everybody but Jack, intern Jack McCauley, predicted a uh, an Arizona State win. And now this week, everybody except for Kim has predicted a Washington win. So I don't. That'll kind of just tell you it's heads or tails. I don't I don't really know. You know, it's it's going to take a while to kind of untangle all the, mm-hmm. the different strands and everything else that's taking place this year. Yeah. But um, yeah, my oh my. I mean, I just yeah. don't know where to begin. I mean, it, it's just so strange to be thinking about. You know, we just we just got done Thursday night with a with a really late game against Wyoming that went into overtime for basketball. They lose. You know, Washington's obviously in, had a in chance a head to coach. win it at the end, too. Yeah, they did. They had a great chance to win at the end. But there's a you know, they got a head coaching search in football. The basketball team is just floundering right now. I know it's really, really early days, but, you know, two and two with a fairly soft non-conference schedule is not the way that Mike Hopkins would have would have needed this to go to get off on the right foot. So, um, you know, if I'm Jen Cohen right now, I've, I've got to be shaking my head going, you know, things looked so good three years ago, four years ago when, you know, my guy Hop was was a two time Pac-12 coach coach of the year. And, you know, Jimmy Lake was making this seamless transition as, a, as an up and coming lieutenant from Chris Peterson's reign. And 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 he, you know, Peterson was convinced that, you know, Lake was going to take the Washington football program to even higher heights than than he had uh, experienced. And that included a final four, you know, playing number one Alabama in the Peach Bowl and look where we are now. <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. there is, there are no guarantees in this world. That is for sure. Absolutely. And, and, you know, Chris, let's just start it off. You know, a lot of people expected to see Sam Heward. We had been hearing that he had been splitting reps with Dylan Morris and we did get to see Sam Heward for three drives. Two of them started what inside the 10. Yeah. Really deep. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, then the other one that started touchdown inside drive. the Washington. Yeah, and yeah. The, yeah, the, like you said, the touchdown drive. I think he threw one pass. I don't so, know. I don't think he. I don't think he, he didn't even pass. throw and, a pass. Okay, and that's he my mistake. So and he couldn't. And he couldn't finish off the touchdown drive because he couldn't. I, I don't know if they weren't convinced that he could take a snap from under center or yeah. not. But which was odd to me because we've seen him at all in Springer football. He's been taking snaps behind center. 
Yeah. I, I don't know if they were just so freaked out. It's like, oh, here, here's an actual live situation. We, we can't screw it up, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, that was just a, that was a weird one. Yeah. That was a weird one for me. So, so Chris, what, what is your guess? Do you think we see uh, Dylan Morris uh, start the game? And how many, if, if Dylan Morris does start the game, how many series does Sam Heward get today? It's such a great question because, you know, all the stuff would have been done ahead of time with the um, say so of Sam. I'm sure his family would have been involved in the conversations as to whether or not they're going to burn his red shirt. Um, I just, you know, Bob Gregory talked this week about Patrick O'Brien being more involved in the game plan and and he could have a chance to to do some things for Washington today. I I just... (laughs) I just have the sneaking feeling that Sam Heward's not going to play against Colorado today. I just really have the sneaking feeling really? they're going to wait for the Apple Cup. And it is a weird one, too, because let's say they do win the last two games. Let's say they win today and they win um, next Friday. You know, then you've got the quandary of, okay, does Sam, let's say Heward played in one of those games. He's full up. His four games have been played. Is he Is he not going to play in the bowl game then? Yeah. I, you know, I just feel like if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound, right? If you're if you're in, if you're if you've got one foot in, you might as well jump in with both feet. So I'm I'm really torn on this. Part of me is saying he, he's not going to play at all, and the other part of me is saying they've already they've already thrown in. They're they're all in. They're going to play as much as he can, as often as he can. Because the other thing you got to think of too, Scott, and this is the unforeseen. What happens if a guy like it, what happens if Morris does get hurt? What happens if yeah. he can't play the rest of the game today? You know, then you've got to play him. So, so I do really you have to because you do have Patrick O'Brien. Well, it, no, it is, and that is true. But the but the other thing is, is that if they're really all in on this idea that they can get bull eligible, then why wouldn't you play him? Right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you can play him, and then you get up to six games played. That doesn't that doesn't feel as bad as if you only played five. Yeah. And I know it's again one game, but if it's a bowl game and he gets that ex- extra 15 practices, you know, that could be monumental. So yeah. I think at the end of the day, Bob Gregory, Junior Adams, all those guys, they have to determine what is in the best interest of the team and then throw it by Sam and his family and see if they're in. And I just don't see any reason why he would say no. He's like, can I play? Of course I can play. I'll play as much as you guys want me to play. Yeah. Um, I just have this sneaking suspicion he's not going to play today, but if he does play, it wouldn't shock me at all. And and for all the reasons I think I just laid out. Yeah, th- this is something that I think the NCAA is going to address here in the next. Uh, I would say, I, I mean, with, with the glacial pace of of progress by the NCAA, I, it, it might take you know five years before it does, but. I've got to believe, and Kim and I have talked about this on another podcast, but I've got to believe that, you know, that Washington or that the NCAA is going to start allowing people uh, to have five years of eligibility and no red shirt. They're going well, of to course, just, that, would, that would have been a Chris. That's a Chris Peterson wet dream. I yeah. Mean, Peterson. Well, and, and a lot of forever. coaches. Yeah. A lot of coaches want that because they're like, I don't even want to worry about it anymore. I don't even want to worry about, do I play this guy? Do I not play this guy? Let's just give him five years. Most guys that do last five years in a program are really only in school for four and a half years, right? I mean, they're they're in school, um, you know, for, as a 
freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, and then they finish out their senior season, their redshirt senior season, their fifth year. And they're usually, and especially at the University of Washington where the quarter uh, ends right before the holidays, the, the fall quarter does, they're, they've moved on and now are in their either prof- either they're trying to get ready for the NFL draft, they're maybe hoping to get drafted by the CFL, or they're off into their own professional career that has nothing to do with football anymore. So I think that eventually the NCAA is going to have to come around and allow people five years of eligibility. That way, if a guy plays one game, if he plays 12, he has the same amount of time available to him, and you don't have to worry about saving a year of eligibility. Yeah. No, I mean, I think now that you know uh, players have one free shot at the portal, I think it's a natural extension. I, I just yeah. – it makes sense to me. So, Chris, have you been have you been able to watch any of the because I know that usually you'll you'll uh, watch some of the recaps of the games that Colorado or that the you know opponent plays. Washington plays Colorado today at twelve, and you know what have you seen from this Colorado team? I've seen a team that hasn't been very good offensively and has been okay defensively, even without their best player Nate Landman for what three quarters of the season. Yeah, and it's and it's you know it's questionable whether Lamman plays today. If he you know he comes back senior day and all that, I think that would obviously be a pretty big emotional boost. Oh, is there even is there speculation he they, can come back? Yeah, they've talked about oh. the, the chances oh, that he might mistake. be able to come Sorry back for today. Now, yeah. granted, even if he was just able to suit up and maybe make you know maybe play a play or two, uh, who knows? That might just be what the what the plan of the day is. You know, the plan of the day is to try to get him out there and and do something. Um, for his senior day, but not to obviously risk uh, any any potential furthering of an injury, whatever. I I can I can't remember what the injury is, um, but yeah, there's a chance he could play. And but yeah, going back to, to check some of the recaps, I usually do that because we we do an opponent kind of a, a know your foe or you know inside enemy lines type of thing where we talk to the um, the publishers from the other sites to to get a feel for you know, what's going on, on on the opponent side. And I talked to um, Adam Munster-Tiger from uh, uh, Buff Stampede and, you know, longtime Colorado editor and publisher. And, you know, it just it just sounds like, you know, they're kind of just trying to take the growing pains with Brendan Lewis, their quarterback. Um, apparently he's been – he was not very good at all, like the first seven, eight games, and now he's starting to show some signs of life and starting to show some improvement. Um, and then obviously they're banking on the improvement from year one to year two in this off this coming off season will will boost him and push him forward. Um, in many ways, I see kind of a, a Dorian Thompson Robinson light situation where, mm-hmm. you know, he was a guy that really struggled initially, but you could see the glimpses. You could see the athleticism. You can see that you can see him running around causing some problem problems with his feet. Um, but he's just not very accurate. And yeah. it's just the, the, the receivers uh, are just, you know, again, it's, it's kind of almost a situation that mirrors Washington in a lot of ways. Their, their tight end Brady Russell is, is kind of a, a Kate Otten style guy, maybe a little burlier, um, maybe more like a Will Disley, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and he, so he's, he's a solid player, uh, but he's pretty unremarkable, not very flashy. Um, they've got a couple of receivers that, that, that might make your head turn just a little bit. But you know they're they're I think they're they've got two two guys that have caught twenty passes or more, I mean even by Washington standards yeah. that's low I mean that's yep. really low 
going into your 11th game, that's really, really low. So I think I checked it out and tried to look at the run pass balance. I think they're running about 60, you know, it's almost basically two thirds. I think it was like 63, 37. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're really running almost two thirds of the time. So if there was ever an opportunity for Bob Gregory and those defensive coaches to load up in the box, really sell out to the run and then allow your, you know, your all American type defensive backs and Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie to go out there and make plays one-on-one. This is the time to this do it. This is the time. Yeah. Um, the, you know, if you're yeah, going to well, sacrifice one of your safeties and, and bring someone down, this would be the time or, or have a guy like Dom Hampton just really be an enforcer that cleans up yeah. um, inside. You know, that's a, that's another um, way they could go about it. Well, one, one of the guys, so he he's third on the team in, in receiving is Daniel Arias. And that's a guy who a lot of people might remember from up here. Uh, he was a guy that Washington looked at quite a bit. He's is he from Jackson? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. He's from Jackson. He's so. from Jackson. In fact, he yeah. caught a touchdown, if I remember, as a freshman. Yeah, yeah, State. against Keith. Uh, no, it was Jordan uh, Miller. Jordan Miller was gimpy that day, and he beat him down the sidelines for a pretty long cut touchdown. I want to say it was about 40, 45 yards, something yeah. like that. He has fifteen receptions. Brennan Rice is the uh, top receiver. He's 21 receptions for 299 yards and three touchdowns. What's pretty amazing to me, Chris, when I was looking at the stats, Colorado is as even as you can be on the yardage per game. Yeah, yeah. I posted this on Twitter. 137.9 rushing yards per game, 137.9 passing yards per game. Yeah, it's they're literally exactly the same, 1390 seven or whatever it was on both sides, which, you know, if that was after two or three games, you were exactly identical. Okay. That would be strange. Yeah. You can at least account for that after 10 games to have literally identical numbers on running and passing. That is not, and especially if you're trying to run the ball almost two thirds of the time, um, that's kind of crazy. Cause I, I looked at Washington's stats at the same, you know, the same thing. Uh And I think Washington is, is like, they're a couple hundred yards behind Colorado in terms of running the ball, but they're like 800 yards ahead of Colorado <laughs> passing the ball. Yeah. So it's, it's, and it's Washington's really passing attack hasn't been a lot to write home about either. So no. it isn't like, yeah. Yeah. So, not, yeah. so they're not tearing the cover off the ball. So, so Chris, last week, you and I are sitting up in the box watching the game. Washington ran out, um, I think out of, I don't know how many plays there were last week, like 61 for Arizona State or whatever it was. And for most of those 61, Washington ran out one or two true down defensive linemen. And, you know, they, they would sub in a third every on short yardage every now and then and things like that. But for the most part, Washington ran one or two. And, you know, Arizona State goes on that 20 play what, 67, 75-yard drive, whatever it was, that ate up over nine minutes off of the fourth quarter clock and and just, I mean, just took the will out of Washington's defense. That cannot happen again. Do you see that happening? Do you see them making some changes up front, especially when you've got a team that can't throw the ball very well? Well, yeah, just going back to what I was talking about, it they have, they have to. They absolutely yeah. have to. Um, yeah, that, that 20 play drive we're talking about went 81 yards, took over nine minutes. It, um, was kind of reminiscent of the final drive of the, the, the last apple cup in Pullman Mm -hmm. with, um, you know, when you had miles Gaskin and you had Savon Ahmed and all they did was just, 
you know, they get to third and short, figure out a way to, to, to get around the edge in the snow they outrun everyone to the end line. And that was it. And it's like, okay, <coughs> excuse me. And, um, yeah, it just felt very deflating every time Arizona state would get a third down conversion. And, and to be honest, I, I could see Colorado doing a lot of the same things. They're going to want to ball control. They're going to want to use those running backs that they have because Jared Broussard is a really, really good running back. I mean, he's averaging f- almost 4.8 yards a carry. And then you add, you know, guys like Alex Fontenot and, and Deion Smith. I mean, those are the two guys behind him. I mean, you've got a three-headed monster that's averaging, you know, shoot, almost, uh, you know, almost 110 yards a game on the ground. And mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, that should be enough to try to keep Washington, you know, basically honest at the line of scrimmage. And if and if Colorado can try to do anything with play action, it's obviously going to have to start with those three guys getting some some traction in the ground game. Um, but it's it's just this game is going to be such a slog, Scott. I mean, yeah, I agree. To be a slog. I mean, right now you're talking about offensively. Washington is the number ten rush offense in the Pac-12. Colorado's seventh, right? So that's their strength. But passing, they're twelfth. Washington's ninth. In total offense, Washington's 10th, Colorado is dead last. Scoring, Colorado is 11th, and Washington's 8th. I mean, we got two offenses that I think, if you characterize them as inept, would be maybe being charitable. Yeah. Um, These guys are bad offensively. Both teams are bad offensively. So you go, okay, well, then they must be able to pick some things up on defense. And I think Colorado's defense has, has been okay from time to time. Not great, but you're looking at but yeah. the 11th rate. You're looking at the 11th ranked rush defense in Washington. Colorado's got the 10th ranked rush defense. Yeah. So if Washington could so do anything on the ground today, it, it should be they should be just fine, right? You'd think mm-hmm. because you'd think, okay, well maybe they're like Washington. Maybe both teams have just been really, really good against the pass and and just haven't found a way to to stop the run. Well. Washington's figured that out because obviously they have the number one pass defense in the Pac-12, arguably one of the best in the country because no one's had to pass on them. And then you've got Colorado, number nine. So yeah. if, Washington, if Washington can't do anything against the team that is 10th in rushing, 9th in passing, 11th in total defense, and 10th in scoring, this is this is, is going to yeah. be a sad situation. And, and granted, I understand all the turmoil that's going on. And I understand all the, you know, how things are so messed up, uh, you know, with, with what happened with coach Lake and, and now having to do this thing, but they've been through this already. They've had a week of that. Yeah. This is now where things should be hopefully trying to get back to some sense of normality. They yeah. should be able to get back into a routine a little bit. Um, and, and, and the coaches will have a better sense of, of what worked well for them on game day. Did it work well that Junior Adams was up in the box? Did it work well the the, the mechanics and the communications mm-hmm. and the guys that were working the sideline? Maybe for the first time, which is another thing that we haven't really talked about. Uh, we didn't talk about post game, but you know could have obviously played a factor um, in the final result, especially the yeah. way things went in the fourth quarter uh, against Arizona State. So yeah. again, the, those statistics are so damning against Colorado. You just you know, you can't help but wonder how how in the world are they going to be able to try to pull something out on their senior day, but they're playing a team that's 
really bad on offense too. And that's why I just think it's going to be a total for the neutral. I can't understand why you'd even want to watch this game. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I mean, I'm, I'm dead yeah. serious. I mean, there's so many, so many games to choose from at that time of the day. You're talking yeah. noon West, what noon West coast time. There's going to be a ton of games back East. There's going to be a ton of games in the big 10, the sec, whatever they're going to be going on. Yeah, I can't imagine unless you are literally a diehard Washington fan or a diehard Colorado fan. What are you doing? Turn the channel. It's going to be brutal. Keys to the game and maybe a little bit of recruiting talk when we get back. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. You're listening to the guys on Dogman Radio. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast and welcome back you're listening to the guys from dog man scott eckland and chris fetters kim grinolds is actually he's probably getting pretty close to the stadium by about now. Um, yep. Maybe maybe not right away, but it uh, should be there in about an hour or so. And Chris, you know, I, I I guess I just, what are some of the keys to the game? We've we've talked a little bit about Washington's offense versus Colorado defense. Give me three keys to the game that you're really looking for. I posted some of mine, but I can go a little bit more in depth on some other ones. Well, I think when you're looking at two offenses that are just frankly poor, you know, it's, it's kind of the traditional three yards in a cloud of dust. You know, can you maintain possession? Can you move the chains? You know, can you play, can you play positive field, uh, you know, uh, field possession? Like, uh, can you, can you play the, 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 the game where you're, where you're all worried about field position and, and, and can you use race Porter as an asset because you're going to be playing at elevation. So, you know, you're gonna be able to boom the ball a little bit. So can you play field position? Um, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, Sam Heward and how he had to play way behind the sticks and, and, and deep in his own end for a couple of those series. You know, if, if, if Washington kind of gets stuck in their own end a little bit and all they're doing is playing field position for a couple quarters, that's going to be difficult for them. But if they can get out of their own end, get a couple, you know, get some po- a positive start, flip the field, you know, get their defense out uh, out there and, and um, you know, show, show Colorado a wrinkle or two to, to kind of – you know, get Brendan Lewis off his game. Obviously, that will be good. But when you're talking about, a, you know, a, what would we we would expect to be a very low scoring game, 
all the standard rules apply. Field position, don't turn the ball over, manage the game. You know, Dylan Morris, he can manage a game like this. He, you know, they've, you know, it's it's weird to think that they would be potentially riding a three-game road win streak in the Pac-12 if they win this game today. I mean, they That's won crazy. in Arizona. Yeah, yeah, they won in Arizona in the fourth quarter. They won in Stanford in the fourth quarter. There's certainly nothing to suggest that Washington's going to run away with a game like this, or even Colorado would run away with a game like this. This is certainly a game that's going to go into the fourth quarter, and you'd have to think, you know, a team is going to be up three or or seven, maybe at the most. Um, and that's where Washington has to have their their talent show through. They're they're a more talented team. They have more they have more pieces in place. They have more of a, a run pass balance to try to keep Colorado's defense off balance. And they should hopefully, you know, I, I think this is a game where I think JV on Sunday could make a difference. You know, I don't, I don't think, um, God, I want to see know, him. I well, see Kamari him. Pleasant, I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know how healthy Kamari Pleasant's going to yeah. be. We don't know how healthy Sean McGrew is going to be. Um, you know, right now, Cameron Davis feels like the only guy that, that they can really rely on to run the ball a little bit. And they need that change of pace back. They need another mm-hmm. guy out there that can pound the ball so that in the fourth quarter that ends up starting to pay dividends for you. You know, you mm-hmm. start to really, you know, wear them down at the line of scrimmage and hopefully open up some holes. Yeah. Um, you know, so again, in a, in a low scoring, potentially, you know, what we would expect to be a very low scoring game, um, you know, it's all the standard things. It's field position, it's turnovers, it's managing the game, it's moving the chains, it's it's playing keep away, it's it's taking the ball, moving. You know, Washington needs to have a nine-minute drive where they go 20 plays for 80 yeah. yards. If, if they can do that a couple times, that might be enough because I think what is Colorado averaging per game now, like 19 points a game? Yeah. You're telling me if Washington can score three touchdowns on the road, they win this game? Yeah, yeah. sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I mean for me the big thing is offensive line, you know, can can they get some movement? The last time Washington faced a running a rush defense that was pretty close to this bat, it was Stanford and Washington imposed their will on Stanford for much of that game. They were able to get the get the run going quite a bit. They they ran some different plays that we hadn't seen, some stretch plays and everything like that, and Washington was able to get some stuff done. I need to see more of that. I need to see more of that. That that last drive when they were able to drive down and in Dylan Morris ends up throwing the touchdown to Jalen McMillan, but Washington was running the ball really well. Uh, Cameron Davis broke off a couple nice runs in that. Uh, Dylan Morris had that keeper that got a key. Uh, they, they didn't get a first down, but I think he got him within range of getting a first down. And man, it was it was a pretty thing to see and something we hadn't seen very much from from this team over the last year. So, you know, we need to see that offensive line dominate at the line of scrimmage. And Jackson Kirkland, MJ or MJ Ale, Luke Wattenberg, Henry Bainavalu, Victor Kern, uh, Mateo Mele, whoever is in there needs to dominate the guy across from him. And I want to see that happen because Colorado isn't very big or very fast up front. They have some active linebackers, but without Nate Landman, they are not as good at linebacker. Washington should be able to find some running room in this game, but hopefully it's not deciding to run two guy, run the guy up the middle twice for four yards and then facing a third and six. You want to be facing third and one when you have some options that you can do. So that's a big thing for me. Defensively, got to stop the run. I mean, there's just no question about it. 
Colorado cannot throw the ball. And, and yeah, okay, I shouldn't say they can't throw the ball because Brendan Lewis has improved as the season has gone along. But I what did Texas A&M – now, Texas A&M's defense is pretty good, but Texas A&M limited them to, like, 70 yards passing in a game. Yeah, something like that. You know, yeah. and, and it wasn't like Colorado went into a shell like some of the teams that have thrown for less than 100 against Washington have because Colorado couldn't run the ball either in that game. So you got to see um, this defense stop the run and let Kyler Gordon, Trent McDuffie, Dominique Hampton, Cam Williams, watch the let these guys get the see the ball coming in the air at them a little bit and let them make some plays because it they aren't great tacklers, but they sure as heck are pretty good when the ball is in the air. And I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that happen. And then on special teams, I'm going with Giles Jackson. I think Giles Jackson's breaks off a, a touchdown here. He has been so close, Chris, over the last three or four weeks to breaking one. And against Arizona State, he had a couple key returns that set Washington up in good field position. I want to see him break one off and see see some uh, see some rewards for his uh, efforts. And and uh, now Colorado is only allowing twenty uh, yards per kickoff return, but that's only on sixteen kickoff returns so far this season. So they're either kicking it out of the back of the end zone and making it so that no teams want to return it which happens up in, in uh, high altitude, like they're going to be at. But it's also because they've they've got some pretty good special teams coverage. So that's something to keep an eye on. And then, but conversely on the punting team, they're, they're allowing, uh, I think it's over tw- almost 12 yards per punt return. And that is something where Washington has got nothing from this season. And uh, want to see... Giles Jackson be able to break one off. If not for a touchdown, then get a nice long return that sets the Huskies up in Colorado territory. So um, those are kind of my three keys to the game. Chris, what what did you predict? I didn't look at your – I don't have the predictions pulled up. What did you predict in this game? Oh, <laughs> good question. <laughs> oh, jeez. Really? I'm no, sorry. No, 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 no. I got off. it. I got it. I'm sorry. 20, 20, I, did, I just pulled the Kim. Sorry about that. 24-21. Uh, okay. Um, it just feels like it's going to, you know, come out in the fourth quarter. And I just think that uh, the offense will find a way to kick a field goal or score a touchdown to, to be the difference. And, um, you know, it just, again, it just feels like it's going to be one of those games where it's just kind of field goal here, touchdown there, but it's going to be a lot of maybe potential three and outs or six and outs and a lot of field position battles. Punters are going to get their, you know, their legs are going to get worn out. Um, you know, and you're right. I think the, the the special teams could could really play a big factor in this. And it's good that Giles Jackson is starting to emerge and really starting to show what he's capable of doing. But you know, Peyton Henry, you know, he's been I think 10 or 12 this year, and he's got to continue to be you know really really good because um, a field goal could absolutely spell the difference in this game. And um, so I think they've got to win that field position battle, and they've got to win this the field this the Special teams, you know, special teams is going to be a big factor in this game. I remember the last time, um, was it when Levi Onzerike had a, had a pump block or a kickoff block or pump block, pump block, excuse mm-hmm. me. And, um, you know, that yeah, led, I remember that led to yep. score, um, you know, there are, there are things that can happen at altitude there and, and, you know, who knows if the altitude will actually ultimately make a difference in this game. Who knows? Um, you know, I mean, when it comes down to it, I know a lot of these guys, 
you know, they poo poo altitude. And sometimes it's like you either get in right away or you get in days ahead so you can acclimate to it. Yeah. Um, but it's not like Folsom field has been like a, a great equalizer for them in a lot of ways. I mean, yes. I mean, when Arizona came to town, 34, nothing wasn't completely unexpected. And their and their over their two their double overtime win over Oregon State was a great win. Don't get me wrong, but you know when you lose to USC 37-14, and we've seen how bad USC is this year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, when you lose to when you get shut out by Minnesota thirty to nothing. Yeah. I, you know I don't know I don't even know what to make of that game. Um. So yeah. So it it there's opportunities there for Washington for sure, and. They lost 20 to 14 the last time they played in Boulder. They should have won that game. They had every opportunity to win that game back in mm-hmm. 19, but you know, for some reason they couldn't. They couldn't. Uh, they couldn't find the plays when they needed to. I just think for some reason today something just tells me in my mind that I think they're going to find the ways, find some ways to make some plays at the uh, at the at the end when when they need to. Uh, I've got 30 to 21 Washington. I went against my better judgment. I just think Washington's going to do some things today that we haven't seen them do all season. I think they're going to have a chance to do some things that they haven't had a chance to do all season. So I've got Washington winning 30 to 21. I could see Washington being up 23, 21 with like five minutes left and, and scoring a late touchdown to kind of pull away. Uh, be up 30 to 21 and then hold Colorado, maybe get a pick at the end that uh, seals up the game. So that's kind of where I'm at. Chris, um, as I, far I was going to say real, oh. real quick, Scott, yeah. I was just, I was just going to add something before we move on, but yeah, I, and I think it's kind of important to, to talk about this a little bit. You know, you, you talked about how you, you think they're going to be able to do some things in this game and, and they were able to do some things early against Arizona state junior Adams, you know, to me, that that first drive that where they were doing, they were pretty much pulling out every uh, play in the book. They threw out the kitchen sink at, at, at the Sun Devils, and it almost felt to me like that that first or second drive against Alabama, where they were able to score, and they were doing everything they could to try to misdirect and 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 take attention away from one side while they were trying to do something else over here. And you know, it was weird because Junior Adams really showed the kind of versatility and creativity that we thought John Donovan would have. You know, because we we saw some of that stuff that they were doing, you know, during practices and, and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so we were a little shocked that we never saw a lot of those things until all of a sudden the first couple drives against Arizona State, they all it all came out. Mm-hmm. Um, the only problem is, is that they they remembered they didn't who do they that were. the rest of the game. Yeah, they remembered who they were in the second half. And apparently who they are is is a team that's not very creative and. And um, and just and yeah. and, it's, and tries to want to do all the right things, but just can't. And so they really do need to rely on a little bit of misdirection, a little bit of, you know, the the, the trickeration, for lack of a better term. And I think they need to stick with that because it showed in the second half against Arizona State that they can't just try to grind stuff out because mm-hmm. that's not who they are. They want to be that way, but that's not them. We we have a whole seasons worth of statistics and evidence on, on tape to back that up, that that's not who they are. They don't have a quarterback. That's a, that's great in terms of moving the chains consistently. Dylan Morris has shown some, some real um, strokes of brilliance over the course of this season, but he has not shown the consistency that you need in a guy that can be that, 
that that game manager, that guy that can always put you in the right play, that guy who can always put you in the right protection, the guy that always distributes it to the to the playmakers so they can go out and make plays. It just has not happened this year. Yeah, and, and they start they started to yeah. do that against Arizona State in the in the first half, and they need to find what worked for them in the first half against Arizona State, and they need to keep doing that. They cannot revert back to who they think they are because that's not them. They need to show the reverses. They need to show the flea flickers. They need to they need to do everything they can to to keep Colorado off balance because this is not a great defense. It means that their eyes can be deceived. It means that they can get opportunities in the run game to do some things like those counters and some of the things that they started to do against um, Stanford, for instance. You talked mm-hmm. about Stanford and how they had some success running the ball. They can do some of those things against Colorado today. They just need to stick to it. They can't shy away from continuing to express some creativity and making sure they get their hands the the ball in the hands of their playmakers, guys like Jalen Millen, Roma Dunzi. You know, we'll see what if Terrell Bynum's available this week. But, you know, they have to get they have to get the ball in those guys' hands for sure. Absolutely. So I uh, just want to wrap things up with a little bit of recruiting news, Chris. Um, I've tried for ev- pretty much every day this week. I have tried to get a hold of whether it's text, whether it's DMs on Twitter, whether it's uh, calling him uh, to get a hold of TJ Hall. Not happening. So at this point, I'm going to leave the kid alone and see what happens. But he took an official visit to Washington last week, wanted to get an update with him. Didn't happen. So um, if I get a hold of him or he calls me back or DMs me or whatever, um, I will let you guys know. But until then, uh, just know that Washington did as good as they could considering the circumstances. It's very, it doesn't happen very often where the coach you're being recruited by, uh, you know, the head coach is fired while you're still on your official visit. So (laughs) that's not necessarily the greatest look to try and keep a kid committed to you. But uh, currently TJ Hall out of San uh, Joaquin Memorial in Fresno is committed to Washington as an athlete. We think he's going to be a corner or a safety at the University of Washington, and and he's a good one. Um, but uh, he's got some other offers, Iowa and Michigan or schools to keep an eye on in that uh, recruitment. As far as the other guys that are committed, uh, Blair Angulo has done a really good job of catching up with some of the guys. I've caught up with a few of the guys as well. Pretty much everybody has told me, except for uh, Lance Holtzclaw, at this point, everybody has said they're locked in. They want to see who the new coach is, but they're they're excited to be a Husky, and they committed to Washington for more than a coach. A coach, Lance Holtzclaw, he he wants to see who the new staff is before he really says how locked in he is. So uh, just keep that in mind. But otherwise, um, you're not going to hear a lot of recruiting news until we really start to find out who this new staff is going to be. And, and that's why the impetus is on Jen Cohen to get this thing wrapped up before that last week or that last weekend of official visits in December, which is, I think it's the 10th, 11th, 12th. Um, they need to get a co if, if they can, you don't want to speed it up for this, for the sake of speeding it up. But if you can find that guy and you know who the guy is, then get him named, get him on staff, get him on campus, um, for that weekend. And if you can do that, I think you can, uh, make sure your class is all sealed up and ready to go. And, and that can prepare you for uh, January when Washington will be trying to bring in some kids who aren't committed to other schools 
and maybe are some kids that uh, the the coach that is your new head coach and maybe some of his assistants that he's named have been able to bring over and show interest in Washington where maybe they weren't that interested in Washington before. So uh, sorry, I don't have more news for you guys on that, but that's kind of where things stand. Chris, let's wrap this up. Um, just some final thoughts. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, for the hardcores, for the hardcore Washington, Colorado fans, this will be a, a real fascinating game. I think it's going to be a slug fest. I, I don't think it's going to be very pretty. I, I think you, nailed it on the one on the one aspect when you talked about it you know being won and lost in the trenches i think that's absolutely correct washington has to find some ways to to win in the run game um like they did against stanford i think they've got some runs in them but i think they can also utilize a guy like jv on sunday i'd like to see what he could do um they may be forced to use him again the the way they're going to use the quarterbacks i think is going to be fascinating I just have it in my gut. I don't think that Sam Heward plays today, but if they if they do use him, then that means that'll tell Washington fans that he's in all the way. I mean, he's going to be in for for Colorado. He's going to be in for Washington State, and and if they can win those games, he'll be in for the bowl game. So you're again in for a penny and for a pound. Um, but yeah, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen today? This is this is certainly one of those games that's capable of a blowout. But it certainly doesn't feel that way because Washington really hasn't played a blowout game all, all season long, especially in the Pac-12. I mean, even the, the Michigan game, as lopsided as that was, didn't have a real blowout type feel to it. If you're the, the neutral, end, yeah. the it end, just yeah. yeah, I mean, it just was kind of a slog. And then Michigan got a little ahead, then they got a little bit more ahead, then Washington came back and did did a little something to give people a little spark, and then Michigan put that out in a hurry. So, um. Yeah, it, but it goes back to the main thing, Scott. Again, in the trenches, Washington has to figure out a way to stop a run game. Now, they stopped Stanford because Stanford is is not by good. far the worst rush deep, rush offense in the Pac-12. It's not even yep. close. Yeah. Um, but this is but but Colorado's really not that much better. And and they hang their hat on their on their run on their run game. I mean, they again, they run the ball almost two-thirds of the time. You've got to figure out a way to stuff that box and dare Brendan Lewis to throw. Um, we started to see that they've got a little bit more of a pass rush. Uh, we'll see if if Zion does anything more today. We saw Braylon Trice against Arizona State start to come alive a little bit, and they need to do that because they don't have Ryan Bowman. Um, you know, Savelle Smalls needs to show up. Cooper McDonald needs to show up. Jordan Lolohea needs to show up, and they need to to play really really stout and run first. Um, to really put the onus on Brendan uh, Brendan Lewis to win the game for Colorado. It's just that simple. Yeah. And Chris, my final thoughts are uh, Washington has to figure out a way to win this game. They have to. They have to set How great would it be to have the Apple Cup be actually mean something to Washington and mean something to Washington State? I, I know that the fans always love that, but it actually means a lot to both teams. If Washington wins this game, it's going to mean a lot to both teams because Washington could get bowl eligible and Washington State could put themselves in a spot to uh, have a really uh, solid season, even with the firing of their coach. So, um, yeah, it's um, it, it. They've got to figure out a way to win this game. Stop the run, run the ball, and and make some plays in the passing game. I think we do see Sam Heward, but Chris, your reasoning is 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 sound. I I, I can totally see. That not happening. I think it will. 
Um, I think the Hewards have let them know we don't want him to redshirt. Get him in there. Get him playing time. And let's try and get some wins. And and I think uh, at this point, the, with the way Dylan Morris is playing, I I would not be surprised to see Sam Heward trot out there as the starter in this game. So we'll just we'll just have to see. Anyway, for all of us here at Dogman.com, Kim Grinolds, who is probably at the stadium. Um, or asleep in his car uh, in the parking lot <laughs> as he's as he's getting ready to go. Uh, for Kim Grinolds, Chris Fetters, I'm Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs>